0: What's up guys welcome back to the EDM podcast my name is Sam Metler, and this is a show where I interview producers, engineers, managers, industry experts you name it people who are involved in the music industry in some way or involved with music production and I interview them and try and get the tactics and tools and strategies uh, that has helped them become successful so you can use them too and also dive into their story and their background uh, to give you some inspiration. Now this interview is with a guy called Bad Computer, a pretty cool name and there's a cool story behind his name as well. But his music, I came across it a few weeks ago and oh my goodness, I was blown away. Very, very clean mixes, amazing sound design, uh, kind of like a complex stroke, aggressive house type vibe, uh, bringing that back very interesting this interview is quite technical Uh, we've gone to things like harmonic density which he thinks is a term that he coined himself and he's probably right actually i haven't heard anyone else use it Uh, we talk about sound design workflow how he arranges his bass lines and uh, stuff like that we talk about him signing to monster cat which is super cool and a bunch of other things as well so hope you enjoyed this interview i really did if you do head on over to edmprod.com forward slash itunes and leave a rating and review that is edmprod.com forward slash itunes also if you want the full show notes for this episode including all the links and topics uh, head to edmprod.com forward slash 90 that is edmprod.com forward slash 90 nine zero without further ado here is bad computer This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months, or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video, where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. welcome back to the edm podcast today i'm joined by craig better known as bad computer craig how's it going man yeah i'm going all right thanks how are you i'm good i'm good now the first question i want to know uh where does the name bad computer from it seems like there's a bit of a story behind all of this and i also notice there's like these hidden messages in some of your artwork (laughs)
1: yeah um okay well where do i begin? so if i just split it up into the words bad and computer right so like when i was just getting into electronic music um my family wasn't really into it so i i remember hearing something that was like super electronic on the radio this would have been like 2008 or something and i asked my sister like how they made that music and she told me it was like just made by computers and there was just this like tone about how she said it just made it sound like the music was so soulless judging by that. Right. So like that means if I make electronic music, I must be a computer. (laughs) And like I did software engineering at uni for a while. Um, Mm. and I learned a fair bit about like writing code and whatnot. And you find very quickly that, a good computer is something that follows the rules that you give it the rules and it returns exactly what you expect. So if I'm a computer, but I'm doing something creative that has no rules, then I must be a bad computer.
0: Oh man.
1: (laughs) That's so freaking cool. Mm.
0: Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit odd, but makes sense (laughs) to me. (laughs) And before bad computer, did you just produce music under your own name? Yeah, I did. And that music is horrible. (laughs) Don't listen to it. (laughs) What made you want to, want to change aliases because the music was horrible and you're like, I don't want to be associated with this. Or was it Um, just
1: another reason? Um, when I was writing music under my own name, I had a second SoundCloud account where I had just a few friends following it. And I was drafting out this sound that I really wanted to achieve. Um, which is now obviously the bad computer sort of sound. Um, I did that for like a year and it was getting a really good response from this small like group of friends and like their friends, um, a much better response response than I expected. So at some point I just decided I would change my alias. I would just become bad computer and I would do that sound because yeah, like that sound is really important to me. Like, like that sort of 2010 Electro House.
0: Yeah, that definitely comes through. I mean, your style and your sound to me is very unique. Uh, like there's a bunch of influences I can hear. Um, and maybe these are people you listen to, but like Nigel Good, Deadmau5, hmm. um, a lot of these people. But is it something that you consciously developed or, or did it more just happen organically? Because I know I ask people this question and most of the time they just say, yeah, my sound just came over time but it sounds like you were a bit more intentional. I'm not sure.
1: I think it was a bit of both because, mm. um, like super early days when I was writing music under my own name, this was back when I was probably like, yeah, about 14. Um, I was writing complex back then and it was horrible, but it was the same idea of this like electro house thing that I've always really wanted to achieve. Even before I started writing music, like, mm all of my favorite artists were making electro house, like Porter Robinson
0: and knife party and stuff. So I think it's a bit of both. What got you into music production initially? I mean, you talked about asking your sister how this music was made at that point. Were you like, cool, I want to figure out how to do this.
1: At that point I was probably only like
0: eight years old or something. Um, so there was
1: a bit of a gap from there. Uh, I was listening to, the radio mainly but at the time there was a lot more like electro stuff on the radio but i didn't actually get into writing music until i was about 12 i think um right, okay. yeah um in high school like i was just a bit of a class clown i messed around a lot some guy was playing with fl studio in class and i was like what's this this is sick and um yeah i downloaded the demo And I was trying to imitate Afro Jack because back then the songs were like so simple, like just like three X oscillator. Dirty Dutch kind of like. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that stuff. Um, So I was just trying to do that. And I showed my mates, and like they thought it was sick. I was like, yeah, this is sick. It was horrible. It was like clipping. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, But yeah, I think that's how I started.
0: Right. And was there a point where you're like, this is serious. Like I want to keep doing this, keep doing this. Cause I mean, to me, like your music's, to me, it sounds like you've really mastered this. And I know you wouldn't say that you've mastered the craft, but like your music sounds impeccable to me and others. And it's one of the reasons why I got you on. Um, But obviously there's a lot of time that's gone into that. So I'm curious, is it just for you? Like you just love music so much or is there something else driving you? to spend so much time on this?
1: That's a really good question. I think there was like, I think it was a really long progr- process to get to the point where I was like, I want to do this, um, like for a living. Right. Uh, like I was writing music under my own name for like five or six years and it was all trash and it was all like a bunch of different genres. Like I had no like artistic sort of direction I was just trying to produce music. I was just referencing a lot of artists and I could hear that their mixdowns downs were super clean. I wanted to achieve that. Um, I didn't go out that much like in high school. So I had heaps of time to just write music. Yeah. I've always been pretty introverted. So I just spent a lot of my time doing my own thing.
0: No, that makes sense. Um, those influences you talked about, like referencing other tracks and so on, who were some of those influences like early on? Mm. Um, Especially with the Electro House, Knife Party you mentioned.
1: Yeah, well, I still say? like reference Knife Party now. <laughs> uh, hmm. Back like early days as um, the previous alias, alias, just my name, I yep. didn't, really reference too much right right. um i yeah i think
0: i've progressed rapidly in the past like year or two why would you why would you say that i'm curious what is the difference between like the last year or two and the five years prior to that
1: having an artistic direction like knowing what i want referencing way more and yeah just consistently trying to achieve a sound that i want instead of sort of aimlessly making a bunch of different things, even though that was probably very helpful at the start because I learned a lot from doing that, from doing a bunch of genres. But yeah.
0: So if I came to you and I'm like in the place you were at two years, this might be a hard question to answer, but I'm curious. Like I'm in the place you were at, say, two years ago. I don't have much artistic direction. I've got the skills there, um, but they're not being like, Really directed towards something, mm. um, something that I want, what advice would you give me? Like, how would you work with me to help me craft an artistic direction?
1: I would ask you to like, look at what you listen to and what you feel the greatest connection to, and then sort of work out what music you could write that you would be the most proud of doing, and maybe look at what you've been into for Uh, a really long time like not something that's a fad right now but something that you've like really felt for a long time and then at that point i would just say write as much music as you can in that direction as possible and like Mm -hmm. even if that means making a second soundcloud account and just like showing people your ideas on that and just like having it public so everyone can see it it can be pretty helpful
0: i think yeah, I think that's great advice. A lot of people I've found um, in talking to them kind of say, oh, I like making, I don't know, techno, but people know me as a future bass producer hmm. and so I can't produce techno. It's like, well, you could, and you could just put it out on another SoundCloud account. And like, if you're not doing that, there ch- there's a chance that you'll get to the point where you're bored with whatever you're making. Yeah. And I've seen that happen a lot. It's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah definitely. So- one thing that I'm sure everyone's thinking about if they've heard your music is your mix downs. Like, <laughs> my goodness, the first time I listened <laughs> to your stuff, I was like, this is so clean. Thanks, it's man. not often that you, you like, like a mix down stands out because it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, this song's well mixed. Mm. Well, normally the sound design stands out or the melody, but for me, everything stood out, but especially the mixing. Uh, so how... <laughs> Very open opening question. How do you get your mixes so clean uh, and powerful?
1: Hmm. Well, I think it starts with having an objective reference. So like if you have an untreated room, then you should get really accustomed to using your headphones. Mm. Like you need to know exactly how, whatever you're listening with sounds. Um, and so, yeah, again, referencing other tunes is super helpful. A lot of the time I find with my music before um, it's finished, there's a bit too much bass um, and not enough like 3K, like that sort of presence that makes yeah. everything sound louder. And when I reference tunes, I always find that. Um, so it's, it's like super helpful to do that. Um, I think thinking about where your instruments should be in the mix is super helpful. So knowing what you want at the forefront, um, knowing what you want in the background and then treating them a way which helps accentuate that. For example, like if you have a pad that you want to fill out the background of a song, but you don't want it to get too much attention, like just compressing it really hard, like reducing the dynamics and like band passing it, stuff like that. Cause there are some qualities of sounds which uh, make them appear closer to you, like more dynamics, like high frequency content, um, stereo. Oh, and saturation really helpful. <laughs> it's like, I just love saturating everything. Like it reduces the, the dynamics in a pretty pleasant
0: way. Give things like a really analog texture, which I like. Tell me about uh, a, a term that most some people might not have heard of harmonic density, how to use that. And your mixing Zach waters, <laughs> told me to ask you this, by the way. <laughs>
1: That's really good that he thought of that. Cause I wouldn't have remembered that.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So I made that term up. I don't know if anyone else has ever said that before, but like, <laughs> yes, yeah, so like I said, when I'm mixing, I often find I struggle to get a lot of presence in that like 3k range and upwards sometimes. And so harmonic density to me is like, when you distort your signals, uh, in pleasing to the ear ways, right. You can introduce more harmonics in the regions that you want to sound louder, like around 3k, right. If you want more presence there, but you don't just want to boost it with an EQ. If you like mix in a little bit, of like a highly distorted copy of that sound, you can get more harmonics within that range without increasing the overall amplitude too much.
0: So how would you actually go about doing that? And first of all, before I ask that, what kind of sounds do you find yourself using this technique on most?
1: I use it on sounds that I want to be at the forefront of the mix. So that would include my bass sounds, Um, sometimes leads a good way of achieving it. I've found is using isotope trash too. Um, Mm -hmm. and finding a nice, uh, distortion type, just messing around with it. Um, pushing it a little bit too hard and then mixing in just a little bit of it. Just a little bit of the wet, um, super distorted version. Yeah. It just adds a lot more, uh, Density. <laughs> it's the
0: only way I can yeah. think of it. No, that's a really cool technique. I like that. Um, one question I have, which is kind of just out of my curiosity, mm. how because I too was inspired by like the Electro House 2010, mm. Wolfgang Gartner, all these people. Yeah. And I always wonder because I never really made it myself. Um, was more of a trance guy. Mm. I always wondered like, how do you know when when there's enough complexity? Like, how yeah. do you find that line i suppose well
1: usually when i'm working at the start i cross the line way too many times and just it sounds messy uh and like you can just imagine playing it to someone and them being like really confused by it on the first listen um Oftentimes I won't notice, but like, I'll come back to it the next day and it'll just be like so many sounds just like being triggered one after the other. And it's like, what is happening? (laughs) Um, often with my like drop sections, I have actually like pretty simple repetitions of the same sort of complex loop, which in a way makes it a lot more followable. Like, you can have complex sections, but as long as you repeat them and they're not too long, um, it becomes followable really quickly. And yeah, I like doing it like that sort of like tech house sequencing, but with, um, nasty basses.
0: Right. That makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Cause I know some people like some more complex or complex producers have like a system for choosing sounds as, and they'll use like a sound with a uh, slow attack, And then they'll play one with like a sharp transient. And Mm. so it's not just like a 10 different sounds of sharp transients because that's just going to sound messy. Um, So I suppose using like different types of sounds, different characteristics. Yeah,
1: that too. Um, I don't really have a formula for that, but yeah, like if you use a bunch of different bass sounds that have very obviously different qualities, um, then that can be a lot more pleasing. Like each
0: one will sort of highlight the next Mm -hmm. Mm. makes sense Uh, one more question on the mixing side of things do you mix as you go uh or do you do a final mix at the end or both
1: um i mix as i go i start mixing super early um and i don't actually know if that's a good thing because oftentimes that will slow me down creatively so i don't really recommend that it's just (laughs) something that i do out of habit um but yeah i do start really early and if you want a good like mix down at least think about the placement of your instruments earlier on but don't worry about too much otherwise it you, uh, lose your creative flow
0: well i talked about this with uh, a producer called fitch the other week and we were kind of talking about this the importance of fundamentals first uh and that like if you want to get a good mix down it's not about these little techniques you use at the end of the you know, process. It's about like picking good sounds. Yeah. Composition and like using your faders really well to begin with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like sound selection is more important than anything else. Definitely. Right.
0: And so moving on to that sound selection, I mean, (laughs) uh, do you, do you design all your sounds from scratch? Are you using samples in in some cases? What does that look like?
1: I use some samples here and there. um, But, mainly just for like claps and stuff. Um, but the basses are almost all designed by me. Um, I design my own kicks as well, which is why oh, they wow. sound kind of similar
0: each time. And are you doing sound design in that same project or I know some people do sound design separately.
1: I usually allocate time in my day to just design sounds. Um, and so like I will make something with a fair bit of movement in it and then I'll just throw it in a sample pack that I've made, which is just all of my bass sounds. Right. And then when I'm writing a tune, uh, especially in like the drop section where I need a lot of impressive sounds that are difficult to make like on the go, mm. I'll just drag and drop them in and then like sequence them in a way which fits the rhythm of the tune. Um,
0: yeah. Do you find that makes the I suppose it does, you kind of answered my question, but like makes the drop writing process easier? Because you don't have to yeah. kind of switch between like, oh, here's the track or here's the loop and now I need to design a sound for this.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier. I remember like really early on when I was still writing music under my own name, um, and I was doing Complexro, I used to try to write every bass sound in the project. And not only were the sounds pretty weak, but the mix downs were horrible. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Yeah, like we established before, like sound selection is the most important thing for a good mix down. So Mm. designing good sounds from the start really
0: helps. Okay, so you're sitting down for a sound design session. How long would these normally take? Like if you're allocating time in your day?
1: Um usually takes about an hour to write a sound that I'm happy with Right. Um, yeah so I'll just start off with like either silent
0: serum I didn't know people still use that <laughs> silent yeah Seems Dude, like it. Serum. no so do I like everyone's <laughs> using serum nowadays but silent man I grew up on that you know <laughs> yeah man I like
1: I use it so much still and it's, like, perfect for the style that I write as well. So Yeah, nice plucked. Um Yeah, so, like, Synth, Serum, FM8, or even Massive, I've started using again just because mm. it throws me back. Yeah. Um, I'll start with one of those. I'll create something that's, like, it depends on the synth, but usually I try and get a bit of movement in it. Movement as in like if it's serum or massive, like movement in the wavetable, um, you just want to like shift the harmonics so that it's doesn't sound like so static. Um, in silent, it's a bit different. Like I can't achieve as much movement. So often I'll have to do that with my effects afterwards, but I'll maybe have a tiny bit of chorus in there just to get it moving a tiny bit. Um, and a bit of white noise, just something so it doesn't sound like a computer too much. But yeah, most of the time is spent after that actually just putting on effects like notch filters and stuff. (laughs) I love notch filters. I'm like just controlling the movements over time and then like saturating bit of distortion, trying to get that harmonic density. And then usually I'll clip the bases at the very end. Why do you do that? Um, Sounds good. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: just another form of distortion to me.
0: Right. So once you've got these sounds, you know, done a few sound design sessions, you've got the sample pack you're building up. When it comes to writing a new track, do you have a similar workflow that you follow every time? Is there a certain place you start in or does it change every time?
1: It depends on the style that I'm writing. But um, if we're talking about most of my music, which is just like, pretty hard sort of bass soundy drops then um, yeah, usually it's pretty similar each time I'll start by writing the drop. Um, Cause if I can't get that right, then the projects just going to get thrown away anyway. So I always start with the hardest bit. And then once I've sort of got about 16 bars or so of that, I'll actually start a new project and I'll write a breakdown separately. I might not need to do that anymore because of FL 20, but, um, I always run out of mixer tracks like, really, <laughs> yeah, I always go over a hundred. Uh, so it's easier for me to just write the breakdown and the intro, which are usually pretty ambient, um, in a separate project and then just put them in stems, chuck them in the, uh, in the project that has a drop. Um, and I don't need to link them to any mixer at that point because I've already done it all um, in the other project versions.
0: Makes sense. uh, That sounds like a nightmare, though. I mean, how? (laughs) it it doesn't surprise me based on how complex your music is, but how how do you use up 100 mixer tracks?
1: Yeah, well, like I will link every percussive sound to a different mixer track, Mm. which often, you know, So that's, that would be like at least 10 mixer tracks taken from like hats and stuff. Um, and then every effect sound like has its own mixer track and all of these tracks are sent to a bus where there's more processing. Um, yeah, it just like and a lot of the time I'll add things and then I won't want to use them later. And like, it just becomes a huge mess. Really? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) this is not,
0: an optimal way of producing, but uh, <laughs> you know, it sort of works. <laughs> oh man. Mm. <laughs> so, I do bounce down to audio much if you're like, I suppose you're designing these sounds um, in the separate session, so you wouldn't be using much MIDI necessarily.
1: Yeah, so I like to work in audio as much as possible. I actually feel more freedom once it's in audio than I do when it's in MIDI. Yeah. But in the, in the separate projects where I write the breakdowns, like I keep all of the MIDI and stuff intact. Um, so if I do need to change something later, I can just open up the other project and, you know, get it sorted.
0: When it comes to doing the more melodic harmonic stuff, um, perhaps in the breakdowns, do you like, do you know any music theory or is this just all by ear?
1: Yeah. It's all just trial and error. Um, mm. cause I've been doing this for a while now. Like, I sort of know what's going to work and what's not, but you know, I still mess up peeps. No one hears that though.
0: I only release the good stuff. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, how long would it take you? I'm just curious, like how long would it take you to make like a 16 bar drop loop? Just the fact that you use a hundred mix checks and all this stuff, it sounds very time consuming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't take shape in the first day usually. If it does, then that's awesome. I'll be super stoked about it. And I'll like finish the track in a couple of weeks maybe. Mm. But uh, yeah, usually I'll write one thing and it'll have some good elements in it, but it won't really be there yet. So I'll work on it um, in a series of days, like just trying to keep the good bits, remove the bad bits. Eventually I'll have a loop, which sounds really promising to me. And I'll just build off that.
0: What would you say is the ratio between like projects finished and projects started? For most people I've interviewed, it's like one in 10 get finished.
1: Oh man. For me, it would be like one in 30.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Dude, it's tough.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Um, and Is this like, Like, do any of these other 29 projects have potential or are they just absolute, like, not a chance?
1: They do have potential usually. Um, And, yeah, so what I often do is, like, with the ones that have potential but weren't quite there, I will bounce the bits that I like.
0: um, And I'll put that in the sample pack so I can use them later. Okay, so switching gears for a bit now how did the whole monster cat thing come about? I mean, there yeah, monster cat is awesome. I'm sure you're stoked yeah. about that, but I'm curious yeah, to know how that came about.
1: Um, yeah. So I had that second SoundCloud account, right. Which I was just putting ideas on for like a year. And one of the A&R people from monster cat, John, one of his friends, um, is always just like going through SoundCloud, trying to find stuff that he likes to send through to John. And he found that second account. Um, I, th- I think he found it like less than a week after my debut as Bad Computer on my main account. So I only had like one release. And I got, yeah, I got an email from Cat like in less than a week after that debut, just saying they were interested. And I was like, so excited. I didn't believe it was actually going to happen for some reason. I was like, nah, no way. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I was definitely very excited. So I sent them through a bunch of demos and that was, that was like February in 2017. Right. Um. So it did take a while to get the whole MonsterCat thing started because New Dawn, which is the first one on MonsterCat came out in September. But yeah, it was very
0: quick. Yeah, because I saw like this uh, caption, I think it was on Facebook or something, but you were saying like when you were 14, you were sending demos into Monster Cat and like, you know, not getting responses and stuff. So it must feel awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: when I was like 14, I used to listen to Monster Cat heaps, um, especially their electro stuff. So it's, it's so awesome to be part of that now. Some people misread that and thought that I was sending demos like since I was 14, like right. just nonstop. <laughs> uh, yeah, not exactly, but uh, it makes for a pretty funny story. So just, oh, man. I just let people say that if they want to. <laughs>
0: um, what does your schedule look like? I mean, how, like, how many hours would you be making music a day? Is it a full-time thing for you or do you just fit it in where you can
1: um it's a full-time thing for me right now i was doing software engineering at uni and like i was just thinking about my life at some point i was like if i want to be exceptional at anything i have to have a passion for it and like software engineering is good but there are plenty of guys in that um course that are like years ahead of me because they had a passion for it just like i had for music Um, so yeah, it just felt silly to like try and catch up to them just to feel some sense of security of getting a job in the Mm -hmm. future. So, um, yeah, I just, I've slowly been deferring. Like, um, I went back last semester after having deferred the semester before, but, um, yeah, I think I'm truly like done with it now. But, um, in terms of, uh, my time management, it's kind of all over the place but lately I've been trying to write, um, like design sounds during the day. So like maybe like 10 AM through to like 3 PM. This is a bit rough, but yeah, something like that, just designing sounds. Um, and then I'll take a break and then later at night I'll try and create something cool. I'm feeling a little fatigued, um, a little less analytical, um, and I'll try and like sequence all of these sounds that I've made into something
0: cool. It's really interesting that you do that. Cause I was reading in a, some book the other day that, uh, Oh, it was called when by Daniel pink, but he was kind of explaining that people are more creative, you know, in the afternoons or perhaps mm. evenings because yeah, they are a bit more tired, less critical of things. Yeah. And I found that fascinating because I was always of the opinion that you're more creative early in the morning.
1: Almost all of my releases I would have started earlier in the day. Um, this is like a pretty new thing for me as well. Okay. Um, cause it's been recommended to me by like a bunch of producers. They're always saying, yeah, you should work at night. Um, but yeah, like I have, I have written music in the mornings heaps and that's worked fine for me too. I'm just trying to like yeah, help my yeah.
0: game. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's one of those things you have to try out. Um, I still prefer to make music early in the morning. I think with this kind of thing, it's like, like this kind of information, especially from science it's based on averages and so on. So it's like, Oh, maybe 70% of people benefit from this, but yeah, you may be of the 30%, like you have to figure that out for yourself. One thing I, one thing I don't particularly like is when like producers talk about how, you know, producing to 4am every night is a good thing for everyone. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think that's a
1: good idea and you know, maybe it is for them. Um, I can't do that. Like my bedtime is twelve. Latest, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> man. I can't remember the last time I was up that late. To be honest, like, mm. yeah, yeah. I get to eleven, I'm done. Hate, I'm move. Yeah,
1: man. I hate waking up so <laughs> late in the day because oh, it just feels so depressing, man. You get up and it's like, yeah, it's like eleven. You're like, what? Still drowsy and it's twelve. <laughs> yeah, it sucks.
0: I don't know how I did that when I was younger, you know, like when a <laughs> teenager, just Saturday morning, like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. I've got a couple more questions. Uh, then we we'll wrap this up. If you were to start all over again today, what would you do differently?
1: I would reference from the start. Um, yeah. Cause like there is so much to learn from looking at how good producers have structured their songs how they've mixed them, Um, all of these things, which you can learn on your own, uh, but yeah, with an adequate reference, it's just so much easier. Apart from that, I'd say have a second SoundCloud account and just put all your ideas on there. And like, well, I mean second if you already have one where you're, I guess these people don't if they've just started, but just have an account where you put up ideas. It's super helpful just to get, uh, feedback from like a small amount of people, um, see if you go in the right direction, you can get help from like producers. And like another thing is um, this wouldn't happen that early unless you're like some wonder child. But um, like labels may find that second account and they may be really interested like
0: Monster Cat was with me. Mm, true, you never know what can happen. Yeah. what's coming up for you in the next zero to twelve months?
1: Um, just more singles. I'd love to do an album, but I don't know if that'll happen in the next 12 months. Um, we're looking at doing some shows. I'm doing something in Sydney, um, later in July. We're looking at a North America tour. Not sure about the dates yet, but, um, yeah, that will happen eventually. Yeah, there's more Monster Cat releases, more Electro. We're gonna
0: bring it back. Um, yeah (laughs) Greg, thanks for coming on the show finally where can people find you online
1: yeah so soundcloud.com slash just bad computer um same for facebook i think my twitter is bad and then no vowels in computer so it's like bad c m p t r um oh and same with my instagram bad c m p t r Bye.